You're looking for a fair process? You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. No kidding, brother. And I'm not your friend, Lindsey Graham. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Still am. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest in China Lake, California, up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast, Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WTPA, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening pleasure on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today because, yes, it is now official. The Republicans have muscled another extreme far-right winger, one who is accused of multiple alleged sexual uh, assaults and who absolutely lied multiple times under oath to the U.S. Senate onto their already stolen U.S. Supreme Court. Judge Brett Kavanaugh is now Justice Brett Kavanaugh and will have the opportunity to help lurch the court and freedoms that many of us have held dear for decades far, far to the right. Yes, for decades. And yes, we are all very screwed. That said, there are uh, still there are still ways to level and or reverse the playing field as we move forward, including adding seats to the U.S. Supreme Court to take back a majority for the majority of Americans who have watched all of this in horror as their uh, key institutions now like now including the US Supreme Court have been stolen from them there is the uh, possibility of impeachment of Brett Kavanaugh for the same reason that there will always now be an asterisk next to his name in the history books just as there is one by Justice Clarence Thomas's name who was placed on the court despite credible allegations of sexual misconduct back in 1991, just as there is an asterisk next to the name of Republican-appointed Justice Neil Gorsuch, and next to his name after Senate Republicans took the unprecedented step of refusing to even vote on a nominee 
by a Democratic president to fill a vacancy on the court for nearly a year under Barack Obama. Just as there is arguably an asterisk next to the other two Republican appointed justices on the court, Roberts and Alito, who sit on the bench only due to George W. Bush's almost certainly stolen election in the year 2000 and his likely stolen re-election in 2004. So it's a fait complete. All five Republican justices on the nine-person court running it now all are under a cloud of uncertainty or corruption or theft or historic disgrace. And yet, for the moment, that's where we are, with many of us hoping to figure out how to carve out the difficult path of reversing the brutalities of this particularly corrupt political pendulum that has all that has slapped the 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 country if not the world in the face but yes it can be done no it will not be easy neither will it be quick nor painless but it must be done we have in my opinion no other choice for the republic and in order to do that uh, it is up to us to we the people there are no saviors other than us, other than you and I, people within earshot of my voice. We have to do this thing. And yes, we can do this thing. But we, the people, will have to overcome the same rigged political and corporate media system which has brought us to this moment of history in the first place. So it will not be easy. But the first stop on that long road takes place just in less than now one month from now, less than 30 days from now on November 6, 2018, when the nation will have its first real opportunity to put at least a few screeching brakes on what I have long referred to now as our still worsening national emergency. To that end, uh, we're going to have to focus a lot on those elections between now and then and probably thereafter. And that's why we focus on elections as we do. And so here is your uh, your last reminder uh, for about a third of the states. Uh, registration ends on Tuesday this week, October 9. If you're not registered in these states, you're going to be out of luck over the next uh, month. October 9 uh, is the deadline in uh, the following states. Many of these are states are key states uh, this November. Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii. Hope to talk about Georgia, by the way, a little bit more, a little bit later in the show. Georgia, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah. And coming up a little bit later in the week on uh, Friday, it's a deadline in Idaho, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma. And over the weekend, it's Delaware. We will um, a bunch of them then come up next week for deadlines. So the, 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 the delay is over. Now is the time to register to vote. Now is the time to check to make sure, even if you are in one of those states, that you are properly registered to vote that they haven't purged you, or that they have a different address than you actually live in. Now, this is no longer a drill. 
And uh, if you have uh, friends, if you know a young person in any of those states, please call and contact them. Contact them via Facebook. However you can, contact them and let them know the deadline is coming up for registration. A lot of young folks aren't really familiar with these processes and may not realize that the deadline is coming up for them to register to vote. Oh, hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. How are you? <laughs> yes, currently unregistered votes uh, voters need to register and vote if we are to have a chance of stopping this national emergency. This is not just a matter of convincing enough, you know, Trump voters to 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 vote for Democrats. We need people who have never voted before to register and to vote in big numbers this year to overcome voter suppression, voter purges, gerrymandering of states registered voters also they need you need to assure that you remain have remained registered this whole time and then you all must vote and then yes voters who may not care for the options that they are being given on this year's ballot this year sorry those voters must hold their noses uh, for some of these less than perfect candidates that, yes, are on the ballot this year in order to vote for the greater good of the country, which is now, as I see it, uh, as I see it, uh, needed nothing for nothing less than saving this republic, saving this nation. We'll talk about that in a moment with our friend, uh, the great Bob Kincaid from West Virginia. He may or may not agree with me as uh, he's faced with the to put it nicely, less than desirable notion of voting for Democratic uh, Senator Joe Manchin, despite Manchin's vote over the weekend for Brett Kavanaugh and in the bargain against his accuser, Dr. Christine Ford, Bla uh, uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. A lot of Democrats are understandably furious at Manchin today, but as I see it, for the good of the nation and for the good of the planet. A lot of us may well have to suck it up and pull the proverbial lever for folks like Joe Manchin anyway on November 6th. We'll see if uh, eighth generation West Virginian, I think, is what uh, Bob Kincaid is. Something yeah, like I think that. he is. <clears throat> and like sixth generation coal mining family. We, we will see if he agrees uh, with me on that point. Uh, the same Bob Kincaid who uh, a Twitter uh, reminded me over the weekend on, on Twitter uh, Kincaid had said last time we spoke back in April, I believe. You know, this is this is really difficult for me because uh, it, Joe's a it, Joe's a Democrat the way that you know I'm a, a, a Neptune Lord of the Deep. <laughs> you know, not at all. Right. So that was uh, Mr. Kincaid last time we spoke. We'll see if he's. Um able or willing to pull that uh, lever for uh, the proverbial lever for Joe Manchin. And yes, I added there, by the way, in my description of what needs to be done, I said for the good of the nation and the planet. Well, why? Why the planet as well? Well, as we have learned over the weekend, once again, that is how high the stakes now truly are. I'll get to that point in a second. But speaking of, we now have another huge and dangerous hurricane barreling down toward uh, Florida's Gulf Coast this week. 
because Desi Doyen, we don't already have enough to worry about in this country, I think. <laughs> yeah, we just have to keep getting slammed by hurricanes when they're in the middle when we're in the middle of doing all this other stuff as well. Right. Literal and proverbial hurricanes. The Carolinas, of course, they're still getting over uh, the uh, landfall from Hurricane Florence, which killed at least 49 across three states with North Carolina having the highest total of 39 fatalities. Uh, Florence slammed Carolina, uh, the Carolinas via the Atlantic last month, and now they could be in line to get hit again, this time via a storm moving in from the Gulf towards Florida. The National Hurricane Center declared Tropical Storm Michael to be a hurricane on Monday morning. It's, a, it's expected to strengthen quickly to a Category 3 over the next 24 to 36 hours. The National Hurricane Center tweeted, uh, quote, Michael could produce life-threatening hazards along portions of the northeastern Gulf Coast, including storm surge, heavy rainfall, and hurricane-force winds. It is not just the hurricane-force winds that I hope you know by now we need to be concerned about. Uh, life-threatening flash uh, flooding uh, through Thursday could hit the Florida Panhandle and the Big Bend region. And again, this is happening with a very warm Gulf of Mexico that is fueling this storm very quickly, according to reports, with the hurricane conditions now spread over portions of western Cuba as we go to air, tropical storm conditions over Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula um, could uh, hit as early as Monday uh, afternoon and evening. Tallahassee, Florida, and central parts of Georgia could receive as much as 6 to 10 inches of rain by midweek, according to the uh, National Hurricane Center. But that's not even the worst climate-related news I think that we have breaking today, Desi Doyen. <laughs> though, Sadly, uh, it's not. No, uh, they all are related, whether or not television meteoro meteorologists make that point clear or not. All of these points are Related, And I want to let you hit this uh, disturbing news here from the IPCC, Desi. Uh, but uh, Margaret Sullivan, the uh, media columnist over at Washington Post, she used to be the public editor at The New York Times. Yeah. She's great. She said, after a week of dire news, the United Nations report on climate change was, for some people, a bridge too far. She said a normally well-informed friend told her, quote, I heard something about it, but I'm on a week-long hiatus from the news. The report, however, she notes, which was announced late on Sunday, uh, officially released on Monday, uh, could hardly have been more frightening. By 2040, only 22 years from now, the world will be in deep trouble, according to the experts at the U.N. Food shortages, wildfires, mass death of coral reefs are just some of the dangers. Though that seems bad enough, she notes that the media must cover this story like it is the only story that matters. Desi Doyen, for years, you have been covering this story like it's the only one that matters. And while I know we're going to be covering this on our Green News Report tomorrow as well, uh, what have you been able to gather so far from this new disturbing? Is that a nice way to put it? Oh, that's the nicest way to put uh, it. Report from the uh, international... It's the it's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC. IPCC. That's an international consortium of scientists, right. hundreds of climate scientists that work voluntarily for free. They're organized by the United Nations. Um, the uh, authors of this report presented their findings on Monday, uh, South Korea time, and uh, basically they say, quote, the world stands on the brink of failure when 
when it comes to holding global warming to moderate levels, and nations will need to take unprecedented actions to cut their carbon emissions over the next decade. So what they mean is that we have about only 12 years left to really get action underway, to get on a pathway to total decarbonization by 2050. That would be net zero carbon emissions from all processes in society by 2050. And we have to get on that path, seriously, Mm -hmm. on that path within the next 12 years, by 2030. Or we're screwed. Or we get into... We're probably screwed anyway. But you said, well, I know, I know, you uh, think that we can do something about it. And I agree with you, we can. But, you know, when a lot of people have been uh, saying for so many years, oh, uh, uh, you know, no, we don't need to worry about this. This is not going to happen until the end of the century. Uh, Never mind our children and grandchildren. I won't be around, so I don't need to worry. This is not not the end of the century. This is now. Yeah, this is happening now. So this is the first uh, report to detail the difference between if we reach the two degrees Celsius target target above pre-industrial levels of global warming that all nations have agreed to try to limit in the Paris Climate Agreement. So it's the difference between the two degrees Celsius target versus 1.5 degrees Celsius target. And they say that that half of a degree may Makes all the difference. The effects that we were once expecting to arrive mm-hmm. maybe several decades in the future are now going to arrive by 2040, possibly sooner. And that's why we need to really, really buckle down and try to get this 1.5 degree target uh, on the books and on that path toward it. One of their uh, key findings or the key consequences if we overshoot this 1.5 degree target uh, by just a half a degree. The proportion of the global population exposed to water stress, that is difficulty obtaining fresh water, could be 50% lower at 1.5 degrees than it will be at 2 degrees. So this half a percent, uh, half of uh, half of a degree could mean um, millions more oh, it's struggling to find water. So so at 1.5 degrees, let's look at the Middle East. Middle East, very volatile area, already dealing with water shortages. So with 1.5 degrees increase in global warming, if we can keep it to that, then water shortages will be 10% more likely. But if we go over 2 degrees Celsius, they'll be 20% more likely. It will double the Doubles. impacts of water yeah. shortages in a place that already doesn't have enough water. Um, is this the same thing with with uh, the same sort of uh, uh, projections for crop failures Mm -hmm. and also, more importantly, for sea level rise. Because no matter what we do, you know, even if we stopped today, uh, because of glacial ice melt and the the melting of the polar ice caps, sea level rise is going to happen. We cannot avoid that now. But it's the difference between 20, 30 million people in coastal areas being affected versus hundreds of millions of people being affected, causing mass migration away from the coasts. Just for that half a degree. Just for that half of a degree. Uh, yeah. Margaret, so yeah. basically, so let's, you know, the upshot of this is that yeah. avoiding that half degree of warming makes a huge difference. They do say that the good news, there is some good news that we still can limit that warming. We have not yet overshot the target. We are likely to overshoot the 1.5 degree target between 2030 and 2050. So if we get on track now, the sooner we get on track, the more we can mitigate these catastrophic damages. And I see nothing to uh, keep us from getting (laughs) on track. Things are going very well 
All, in all regards. Uh, well, no matter when you start, yeah. you can always take the exit off the freeway, no matter what that exit is. We have to take it. We will take it. It's just a matter of how much suffering there's going to be in the meantime. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that, in my thinking, brings us back to November 8th. Margaret Sullivan uh, completes her uh, column at Washington Post by saying, in short, when it comes to climate change, we, the media, the public, the world, need radical transformation, and we need it now, she says. That corporate media transformation, uh, of course, is years overdue. We have been calling for it. We have been begging for it. We have been becoming it. We have been becoming the media that we had wished to see that what has not been doing its job now for years, for decades at this point. That's why Desi and I are doing what we do. Neither of us went to journalism school, uh, you know, because we wanted to do this. Uh, we have been in various ways called to do this, in various ways stuck doing this, but stuck we are for the moment, at least until the corporate media gets their stuff together. But in any, in any event, until that happens, uh, this is why, you know, a guy like Joe Manchin in coal country, the fact that he is even allowed to be a U.S. senator at this point is disturbing. So I, I take no joy in talking about why it's important to keep Joe Manchin, as odious as he is, as a U.S. senator this November. But I will, I will do exactly that with the great Bob Kincaid, who is in West Virginia, who may uh, or may not agree with me on these points. We will find that out after this short break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation, or even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Delta Dawn, what's that flower you have on? Could it be a faded rose from days gone by? Take you to his mansion in the sky. Well, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Never mind that mansion in the sky. What about that mansion in West Virginia? But I'm getting uh, slightly ahead of myself. I am um, not ready to declare the end of this republic just yet. 
Writing uh, over the weekend to Bradcast at bradblog.com, Eric B. Uh, sent me a note just as Brett Kavanaugh was being sworn in as Associate Justice to the U.S. Supreme Court. Despite multiple allegations of sexual assault, multiple easily proven felonious lies to Congress during his confirmation hearings, etc., Eric writes, Brad, the American experiment in self-governance is now officially over. The Supreme Court is to be a rubber stamp for the oligarchy for the remainder of most of our lifetimes. Whether the Democrats regain the House will have some marginally positive effect, he says, but the amount of damage already created by the rapacious and religious right is beyond repair by so small an improvement in political circumstances. He says, should the Democrats regain the Senate? Highly unlikely. The court is now controlled by a faction that believes it can overturn any congressional legislation on the basis that it is not specifically called out in the Constitution. This has been the right's argument against Medicare, Social Security, and all forms of governmental welfare since the Roosevelt administration. This has been the argument against Roe v. Wade regarding abortion and Obergefell v. Hodges regarding marriage equality. The country today is no longer the country you thought you knew, and this will become clearer and clearer as time goes on. Welcome to the future. Keep your friends close and don't talk to strangers unless you're sure they are not wired. Now hiding the books. Signed, Eric B. Well, sorry, Eric. Thank you for that note, but uh, not going down that easily. Uh, he is, of course, correct in most of his thoughts here in a general sense. Though I think the religious part of the religious right is more of a convenience, a deal with the devil for the corporate powers that be, as opposed to the driving force here for the right. But no matter, he is uh, correct in detailing the stakes, but I am not quite as willing to start hiding the books and running for cover, not by a long shot. I'm uh, certainly not willing to quit this fight, not now, not one month before, yes, the most important election of our lifetime and arguably the history of this republic. There are ways out of this current disaster regarding the courts, including adding seats to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, exploring impeachment of justices like Brett Kavanaugh, who blatantly perjured his way onto the court, and even adding states like Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. to the Union, which means adding senators to the wildly imbalanced Senate and, with it, votes for uh, unrepresented Americans to the Electoral College. All of that can be done without a change to the Constitution. But it can't be done and won't be done unless Democrats, yes, love them or not, are able to wrestle back control of both houses of Congress and the White House. And of course, even then it may not happen because we're talking about Democrats here after all. But right now, for 2018, November 6, those are the stakes as I see them. And it begins with taking back the House and the Senate as difficult, if not imp impossible, as both of those goals may be. To that end, yes, that may mean holding your nose and voting for a Democratic candidate who is far, far from perfect, even a Democratic candidate like Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia, 
who, while leading his uh, even Trumpier Republican opponent, Pat Morrissey, this year by almost 10 points in his re-election bid, according to recent polls, he still voted in favor of Brett Kavanaugh's lifetime seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. Even after that, I personally would still recommend voting for him for the U.S. Senate this November, if only for the greater good of a Democratic majority to begin putting the brakes on our national emergency. But of course, I'm not in West Virginia and good progressives in the state. And yes, there are some, some uh, may feel very differently than I do to that end. Over the weekend, there was just one person I wanted to talk to about all of this today. And that would be our old friend, the great progressive champion from West Virginia, Bob Kincaid. He is co-founder of the Appalachian Communities Health Emergency Campaign, president of Coal River Mountain Watch, and host and creator of the Head On Radio Network. He's also a longtime leader in the fight against mountaintop removal, coal remining, m- mining, and the horrors that accompany it in Joe Manchin's West Virginia Coal Company. Bob Kincaid, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Hey, Brad. It's always fun talking to you. You know, for a minute there, uh, when you were talking about uh, uh, Kavanaugh, you said, and I thought you were going to say, a sociopath? Yes, they did. (laughs) They confirmed (laughs) a sociopath to the Supreme Court. They, but you didn't. Yeah. You know. No, you're right. I may have missed the opportunity there, Bob. Uh, listen, you and I were chatting a bit over the weekend about all of this, about what now for folks like yourself in West Virginia. Uh, we spoke about it a little bit uh, the last time you were on. I think it was in, in spring. You have a terrible choice in front of you in uh, less than four weeks. And I want to ask you about that terrible choice and what you plan to do about it. But first, let me ask you this question, Bob. Okay. Why? Why, with a nearly 10-point lead in the polls, did Democratic Senator Joe Manchin choose to vote in favor of Brett Kavanaugh? His, his vote wasn't even needed here to put Kavanaugh over the top. Uh, I don't know if that would have made a, a, a difference in the way he decided to vote, but uh, do you have any understanding what is going through Joe Manchin's brain? There are multiple ways of analyzing this, Brad, but we have to remember, and very little has been made mention of this. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's uh, taboo to mention it, but Joe Manchin voted with his co-religionist. Okay, Joe Manchin is a pro-life uh, uh, Democrat mm-hmm. from way back, mm-hmm. and he uh, going way back to when he was just a little bitty grasping, uh, 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 ambition-driven Manchin state senator. He never missed an opportunity to sit down and break bread or go to a bean dinner or whatever uh, with the West Virginians for life or friends of the fetuses or uh, you know any, any of those any of those weird white wing religion organizations that want to cram their religion beliefs religious beliefs mm-hmm. or, or, or or you know saddle us with them mm-hmm. those of us who don't share them. Uh, they, they are both. They're both hardcore Roman Catholics, uh, 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 Manchin and Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, yeah. And I think that explains some of it. Like I said, if it's taboo, I apologize. No. Uh, but I. But he voted. He voted the church doctrine. It's just as clear as day. 
Well, it's certainly not uh, taboo here. I want to know what you think. I want to know what the hell is going on, and I don't uh, care what it sounds like uh, to anyone, frankly. All right, with with this uh, terrible choice now that folks like you, Bob, uh, are faced with between Manchin uh, and I think even you would agree his the even much worse Attorney General Pat Morrissey, who's uh, running against oh, him. Yeah. What's your plan for November? What do good progressives like yourself, what will you be doing on November 6th? And then depending on your answer, we can bicker about it thereafter, Bob. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this without too much filibuster, Brad. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 fact, the fact of the matter is I want people to understand before I say anything else that I have never cast a vote in favor of Joe Manchin uh, for that Senate seat. Mm-hmm. Never. I, I've, I've also never voted for a Republican. Mm-hmm. I all, uh, uh, once I voted for Ken Heckler because he was, A, a personal friend, and, B, uh, I, I thought uh, far a far better choice for senator. But that's it. I've never voted for Joe Manchin for senator. I may have done it once, maybe twice for governor, mm-hmm. but never for senator. Okay. And I did that because Joe Manchin, Democrat or not, has sat idly by, and, and for those who are astonished by the idea of, you know, how could he dismiss the, 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 the experiences and the suffering of so many women and vote for a guy credibly accused of sexual assault? Well, let me explain to you. Joe Manchin has sat around for at least eight years full, fully, fully knowing what the toxic consequences are of mountaintop removal on babies in the womb, pregnant mothers, uh, grandmothers, grandsons, sons, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, possums, everything. <laughs> he has known that it poisons his own constituents, kills his own constituents, and yet he has slavishly uh, conti- continued to support that practice at, and, and ignored every bit of the science uh, uh, around it. The mm-hmm. same kind of peer-reviewed science that tells us that nearly 3,000 excess deaths occurred in Puerto Rico after, uh, after Hurricane Maria yeah. tells, us that we, tells us that we lose about a, we have about 1,000 deaths a year in the counties in West Virginia where mountaintop removal is practiced. Hmm. So I, I, I say all that, Brad, hoping that people will understand that I do not come to a decision about Joe Manchin lightly. Mm-hmm. I would not trust Joe Manchin with the carcass of a run-over skunk. The problem is that, is that uh, pill-pushing Patrick Morrissey is the skunk. All right? Yeah. So uh, for the longest time, I've said, look, I'm going to watch the polls, mm-hmm. and if he's less than 10 points ahead of Morrissey, I'll hold my nose and vote for him. Mm-hmm. If he's 10 or more up, if he's up more than 10, I get the luxury of simply withholding my vote again. I, after our con, after our little exchange over the uh, over the weekend, I've spent a long time thinking of, I think about, I've spent a long time thinking about that, Brad. Yep. And I don't think I can afford that luxury. Uh, you know what? I'm really glad to hear that. And you and I, yeah, we had a, a, a little uh, direct message uh, conversation over uh, over Twitter over the weekend, and I said, "Oh, let's let's uh, let's have this conversation on air." I know last time you were on in spring, you said, you know, if he has ten points uh, or more, that uh, Manchin has a ten point or more advantage, then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I don't need to vote for him. 
Right now, the Real Clear Politics average uh, is showing a mansion up by 9.4 uh, points. They say that it leans Democratic. It's not likely Democratic, but it leans Democratic. And I have seen, you know, a lot of people making a similar argument to the one that you made over the weekend. And it just seems to me, I, you know, I have never trusted the polling. Uh, it is something uh, to, to give us a, a, a red flag, a yellow flag about how things may be going. But I don't think, and this is way bigger than Joe Manchin. That's why I wanted to have you on, because it's not really about Manchin. To me, this is about the country. And I don't know that any of us have that kind of luxury anymore to, you know, prove how we would love to have better Democrats. It, Joe Manchin is about as bad a Democrat as you're ever going to find, and yet I'm still recommending that people in West Virginia vote for him. As am I. And for anybody who'd like to, to, to see my thoughts fleshed out in printed form, mm -hmm. you can run over to my Facebook page. It's just Bob Kincaid. It's not a personality page. It's just mm -hmm. my personal page. Mm -hmm. um, and you will see there a, a rather lengthy little essay about uh, about all of this. And I come down to the same uh, to the same analysis and that is do I vote like an American or do I do I vote as an American first or a West Virginian first and if I'm going to vote like an American first I have to vote for Joe Manchin and Brad mm -hmm. it makes me sick I know I know but I have to I have to put my country first and moreover uh, the the you know the the, the odds of actually taking House and Senate are, are pretty tall, pretty long odds. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if there's to be a chance, it's going to be, to use the old boxing analogy, a puncher's chance. And so there's no way toward getting that Senate majority that does not include Joe Manchin. Mm -hmm. And if we then play the long game and look to 2020, when 20 Republicans are up for re-election and have to defend their seats, then if we can get that majority now and have a, something approaching a miracle in 2020, we have a chance to finally put paid to all of this, this, this hate-filled, vicious, uh, Republican, noxious behavior. I mean, you want, you want the scope of the miracle, Brad? If we could get 51 seats in this election in the mm -hmm. Senate and then sweep in 2020, we would have four votes more than needed in the Senate to remove Donald Trump upon impeachment. And, you know, I'm I'm glad to hear where you are. I'm glad to hear that our conversation, uh, you know, led you or, or, you know, helped encourage some soul searching over the weekend, because I really did not know until you joined us right now on the air which way you were going to fall on this. You had even mentioned over the weekend, well, you know, it doesn't look good for Democrats right now. There's Heidi Heidkamp in North Dakota, Donnelly in Indiana. They may be in trouble. I would add uh, Claire McCaskill in Missouri to that list. She's uh, She was yep. down in her race against Republican Josh Hawley by about half a percentage or so, and she still voted against uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. But I think, you know, people looking at this and say, well, you know, it's not going to make a difference. The Democrats aren't going to win this uh, this uh, Senate back anyway. I, you know, what would you say to what would you say to them and to that argument that, well, we it's, we need better Democrats and my vote is not going to make the difference here. So, you know, I need to register a, a protest vote that we need better Democrats. 
we need better Democrats. Mm-hmm. We really, but, but Joe Manchin's not the only better Democrat we need. We need other better Democrats. Mm-hmm. So the, this is probably not the time. But, but secondly, at some point in time, we have an obligation, and, and, and I think, I think this, is, this is a critical part of that analysis. We don't have much of a bench right now, Brad. And you have to have a bench before you can before you can uh, start talking about uh, taking out the starters and putting in and, and, and putting in subs. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that bench. I mean, West Virginia, uh, the, the the Democratic bench has been, and I don't mean the courts. I mean mm-hmm. sports analogy, right? Uh, has been largely decimated, uh, and and God knows the same is probably applicable throughout the. Uh, the, the the red states of the old confederacy. So some of these things do take time. Yeah. And and it, it, it's 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 unavoidably true. Now for those people for those people who want better, more progressive uh, candidates, good. Support them in the primaries. Bust your ass. Go door to door. Do everything you uh, you you possibly can to support your candidate. Because even if they lose. They are raised up. Mm-hmm. They are more than they were when they began. Yeah, and and and, and, and that's you know that's on us. And and we've seen that, Bob. Uh, in the I mean, you say there's not a deep bench, and that I, that may be the case in West Virginia. But I think we've seen the depth of of the bench, and it's getting deeper uh, throughout the primary process all over the country. There were a lot of terrible. Democrats who ended up winning in those primaries. There was also a, a lot of very good progressive Democrats who won those primaries. You know, so I think that battle continues, that primary battle continues, and it should continue. But at this point, the primaries are over. And, you know, Bob, you've got uh, this uh, high profile race, obviously, between Manchin and Morrissey, but there's a lot of people facing a similar. The choice with less than ideal candidates, even terrible corporate right wing candidates who are running for office, you know, be it for the U.S. House, be it for state and local races. And those those races don't even have as many polls as, uh, you know, to rely on as the uh, Senate race does in West Virginia. They're facing similar, if not quite as highlighted a dilemma as you now face. Should those voters Hold their nose if necessary, and vote D this year. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see any other alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what we're talking about here, and I mentioned the long game a minute ago. The name of Mitch McConnell's book is the long game. Mm-hmm. I personally think he should have called it the long con, mm-hmm. but we'll leave that there. Right. We are we are playing a long game, and the long game is called power politics because that's all that's left. Yep. What we just witnessed for the last two weeks was blunt force, brute application of raw power politics. Uh, the, the fact, the fact that it was uh, framed in, yep. in, in 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 the politics of or the the, the the social cultural reality of sexual brutality should only make that picture more clear. He said, at the risk of sounding like he's white mansplaining, which I am not. <laughs> I understand why people. Uh, would, would, would find uh, somebody like Joe Manchin odious for what he did to women, not just in West Virginia, but in the country at large. Mm-hmm. But let me, let me please point out that Joe Manchin is pro-life. 
or pro-fetus, pro-birth, mm-hmm. whatever we're doing. Anti-choice. But Patrick, Mor- but yeah. Patrick Morrissey yeah. makes him look like a recruiting chairman for Planned Parenthood. Okay? <laughs> yeah. This is a guy who has used his office as, as attorney general to try to torment women who simply sought reproductive health care. Joe Manchin hasn't done that. And that's the reality of West Virginia. I don't know if we've got enough alleged progressives in this state to, to, to change an election. I, I really don't know. Um, but, I do, but I do know that if the maggot base gets all whipped up and they somehow manage to put Morrissey in there, then a couple of things become a reality. The statistical odds are that, 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 uh, that Donald Trump will get to a point an, at least another Supreme Court justice yep. for any number of reasons. Yep. And they'll do the same thing with that Supreme Court justice that they did with Kavanaugh, and then you've got a 6-3 majority. God forbid he gets a fourth, it's a 7-2 majority. Yep. Now, I'll give you this much. It's easier to shift the power in a 5-4 majority than it is a 7-2. I, 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 have, I, I would make the argument here that this is more about patriotism than partisanship. I've never recommended one party over another, as I feel like I'm sort of faced to do now. But, you know, this is no longer a drill. This is a national emergency. The republic may not even survive, even if Democrats take back both houses of Congress, which, you know, seems very unlikely at this point for them to get both back. But I feel that's sort of um, sort of the state of play that we are now in. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this, Bob. I uh I know how much this pains you <laughs> to, to have to to have to vote for a Joe Manchin to even not stay home, but to actually go out and, you know, vote for him. I, I know that's difficult, but I think the way you describe, you know, Joe Manchin versus uh, 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 Morrissey is true in pretty much all of these races, no matter how bad the Democrat is, whether it's in the U.S. House, state, local races, you're going to find an even worse and likely far worse Republican right now running against them. Before I let you go, Bob, uh, you called uh, Pat Morrissey uh, pill-pushing Pat. Why do you call him that? Well, he's, uh, uh, first of all, he's not a West Virginian. Uh, He came down here uh, after having tried to run for office in other states. He came down here, had a bunch of, uh, of, of Citizens United money behind him, got elected attorney general, wasn't even a member of the West Virginia State Bar when he got elected. And uh, his primary purpose in life had been hustling pills for a, uh, for a pharmaceutical company. Mm. And I guess he's going to continue. With the opioid industry. Yeah. And uh, he will, well, he'll continue doing that, I suspect, whether he uh, gets to the U.S. Senate or not. But, uh, boy, Bob, I am glad you are in there keeping up the good fight in West Virginia. Uh, And I want to encourage people to check out your uh, crucial radio show uh, on the Head On Radio Network. People can listen at headon.live. Is that the best place to send, folks, Bob? 
that absolutely is. We're also on TuneIn, though, too. Oh, good. If you're on a mobile site. Okay, good. On uh, on our affiliate as well, TuneIn Radio. Check them out. Uh, Bob Kincaid, you can follow him also on the Twitters and on the Facebook. Just look up Bob Kincaid. You will find him. Also, you can find his important work at Coal River Mountain Watch at crmw.net. Bob, really, uh, as ever, uh, enjoy talking to you, even in these horrible circumstances, my friend. Uh, stay in touch as everything moves forward. Uh, we're going to have a hell, Absolutely, hell of a month. Brad, and, and you know what? You, uh, 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 chatting with you about this was uh, better than it made it better than it otherwise would, so I appreciate the opportunity. I, I genuinely do. Thank you, my friend. Keep on keeping on. We'll talk soon. Bob Kincaid of the Head On Radio Network. Okay, quick uh, break, and we're back with more on November 8 and uh, what needs to be done and how you all need to be paying attention. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. My thanks again to Bob Kincaid. I also feel better after speaking with him. Yeah, it helps to know that, you know, you just got to keep fighting. You know, giving up gets you absolutely nothing. We are uh, not in this alone. There are a lot of us out here. Hopefully yep. those uh, their voices will be heard on November 8th. But that is not a guarantee. That, as I said at the top of the show, is up to us. Uh, earlier in the summer, when... Uh, oh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Forgot to mention <laughs> that. All right. Earlier this summer, uh, the Brennan Center released a report that looked at voter purge data uh, through 2016, and they found 4 million more people were purged from the voting rolls between 2014 and 2016 than between 2006 and 2008. And they said that much of that increase came from states that were previously required under the Voting Rights Act to get uh, election changes cleared in advance from the federal government but then the Supreme Court eviscerated that uh, law, the Voting Rights Act, in uh, 2013, and that led to a much higher rate of voters being purged from the rolls in those areas. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah, I just want to make sure yeah. I understood this. So, yeah. of all the states that had a history of racial discrimination yep. in voting, mm -hmm. that they had to get uh, preclearance from the Department of Justice before changing any of their voting laws to mm -hmm. make sure that they weren't going to be racially discriminatory. Right. After the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act, how much was the increase? They well, I don't, uh, I don't know if I have the the actual numbers here, but uh, they found four million more people were purged between 2014 and 2016 than in the comparable years of uh, 2006 to 2008. Wow, we had four the, million more people. Yeah, and we had the percentages earlier. A lot of them came from, you know, like we said, those particular states. 
Uh, now they they have they put out another report this week. Uh, they don't have the uh, full numbers yet for 2018. We won't have those until next year. But looking at other data, they were able to determine that over the past two years, since 2016, uh, there was three states they looked at: Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. And they were able to figure out that that huge purge rate continues. A preliminary analysis of that data supports their initial alarm that the purge processes in those three states, uh, Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina, have continued to be much higher than expected. Florida, for example, between December of 2016 and September of 2018, Florida has purged more than 7% of its voters. Are you one of them? Have you checked lately to find out? North Carolina, between that, uh, let's see, between September of 2016 and May of 2018, that's the latest data that we have there, the state purged 11.7% of its voter rolls. Almost 12% of voters in North Carolina have been purged. Wow. So, like, if you voted in 2016, you could still be purged from the rolls by now. That's correct. And now they say that these purges in North Carolina were especially troubling for voters of color. In 90 out of 100 counties in North Carolina, voters of color were overrepresented among the purged group. Now, mind you, there's legitimate reasons for people to be purged. They move uh, they move out of state, they die, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, these are alarmingly high numbers. In Georgia, over the past two years, the state has purged more than 10.5% of voters. Non-white voters, they find, were slightly overrepresented among those purged when compared to the total population background. Now, Greg Pallast, our friend, uh, journalist Greg Pallast, says if you're a voter in Georgia, there is a one in 10 chance that you were purged. One in 10 chance that you were purged from the voting rolls at some point last year alone. That's 2017. Pallast has now posted at his website, gregpallast.com, a database where you can type in your name and find out if your constitutional right in Georgia was stripped away from you. The bad news Salon reports is that you'll have only until Tuesday to re-register, Tuesday, October 9. That's why uh, Georgia was one of the states I mentioned at the top of this uh, show. Again, last chance in uh, to register to vote and to check your registration and to make sure it's correct. In Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah. And then at the end of this week in Idaho, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Delaware uh, over the weekend. And then there's more starting next week. We'll get to those in a few days. Um, Palace told a Salon after receiving finally this list of purged voters, uh, he said um, he told Salon, on Georgia, uh, regarding Georgia's Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, the Republican who is responsible for the voter purge and is running for governor as a Republican this year. Uh, Palace says he's been stonewalling my request for his purge list and the reasons for them. And I finally got the list, not all the material we asked for. And I should say that we sent a 90 day notice of a federal lawsuit if he didn't provide these. 
Uh, but within hours of the deadline, uh, he got the list of those purged voters. According to Palast, he discovered that under Kemp, the Georgia State Department, quote, has identified people as having moved out of state, moved out of congressional districts. They should either be removed or forced to re-register. In fact, he says they haven't been uh, they haven't moved out of the state. They haven't left the congressional district. He said we found one woman who moved from one side of her building to the other. And yet she was purged. He added that Kemp is required by law to send notice to these people who have been removed from the rolls, but he has not been doing so, according to Pallast. He says basically everyone here is what we call purge by postcard victims. They missed one election, then they got a postcard to confirm their address. They didn't send back that postcard, uh, and they were eventually canceled without further notice on the grounds that that was uh, evidence that they had moved even though many of them had not. He said all of these cancellations were in 2017. One in 10 Georgia voters were canceled in a single year. So he says roughly 750,000 voters had been removed from the rolls uh, during this period. Uh, 200,000 people had, in fact, left the state or died or moved out of their congressional district, but a lot more people or had been imprisoned and therefore can't vote in Georgia. But that he's finding, um, you know, while there are some legitimate cancellations here, uh, they are finding that an illegitimate process has been carried out, which seems to be furthering Brian Kemp's interest in running for governor as a Republican against Democratic candidate Stacey Abrams, who would become the first black female governor in America if she wins. Uh, I should also note here, I have heard from folks in Georgia that the list that Palast has posted is not complete. That uh, there may be some people who do not show up on it, uh, but they should not presume that they have been purged. Other people, uh, you know, do show up, but can't know for sure. Check with, yes, the Georgia Secretary of State's website to know for sure. You can get this easy database at gregpalace.com, but go to your, uh, your, your county website in Georgia, go to the state Secretary of State's website, and check that database to be certain. And if you live in the other 49 states, please do that same. And thing. print it out so that you at least have some kind of uh, proof. Note, proof that you are registered. Yeah. So we will see. We'll see if this uh, lawsuit or uh, Palace website here, uh, as Salon notes, will be enough to make sure that the rightfully registered voters of Georgia will be able to decide legitimately whether Kemp or Abrams becomes their next state governor. But um, it ain't going to happen by magic. It's going to happen when we all start participating here, taking nothing for granted, helping others, family members, friends do the same thing. Uh, this is up to us right now. And uh, this is what we are going to be covering a lot between now and November 6. All right. Got to get out here. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen to uh, West Virginia's Bob Kincaid, of course, and uh, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free and share it far and wide. Uh, you can find it at bradblog.com. You can also find, follow, and share everything we do uh, via the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. 
Drop me an email as well if you prefer. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue this, what I think is crucial, vital work. And I hope you agree. Desi Doyen and I do it only with the support of folks who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.